Welcome to the Grandstand Golf Podcast. My name is Kevin Bapti, and I am joined, as always, by my brothers, Craig. Hey, how's it going? And Adam. Hey, what's going on, guys? So we just finished watching Bryson DeChambeau dominate the final round of the 2020 U.S. Open. Yeah. DeChambeau shot a final round 67, the only round under par of the day, to win by six over Matthew Wolf. The win is DeChambeau's seventh career win and his first career major. So, Craig, do these results suggest that I was wrong to fade Bryson heading into the week? <laughs> yes, I think I think they clearly do. Uh, he just, I mean, he would have basically lapped the field if if it uh, if there were laps. Um, but you know what? That was everyone's take, and I think that I think. I had him on my stock down for a few weeks in a row. And I think in part, uh, we've just, it's been a little bit of a misunderstanding of what it is Bryson's doing. If, if you guys know what I mean, like it's, it's not just chasing distance. It's, it's like, he's, um, he's trying to make himself able to play in these more difficult conditions. Kevin, in your defense, I think on our DFS pick show, Craig actually faded Bryson as well. But then I think as we got to Wednesday night, he targeted the uh, old man Tiger as his fade. He went with a safer fade. Yeah, that's really going on on a limb. The guy with the bad pack <laughs> and the heavy rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's what I was going to say about Bryson is that um, everyone and on the broadcast all day, all they're talking about is how how much it gives him off the tee and how much you know how much power he's added. And and I totally agree with the power, but. The first thing that turned me around on it was uh, there was an inter- he did you know the mandatory five to ten minute interview with the yeah. whole media pool, and he was saying that part of the reason he's he's done all this was because he he wants to be winning majors, and so he looked at Brooks Kepka and and studied what he was doing differently to dominate these majors, and he said it was his his power in getting balls out of the rough. Um, and so that's, that's the reason, you know, his, his whole lashing out with the driver is one thing, but, but how well he's able to get that ball out of the rough is, is the aspect of it that I hadn't really thought through. And I I think the whole world hadn't really thought through. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's really easy to pick on Bryson just because he is so different. Like his putting stroke looks drastically different from everyone else's his drive. He's teeing it up like a long drive champ. Uh, so, I mean, he's the butt of the joke since the restart, like with his body transformation, with his swing, with his scientific uh, address with everything. But yeah, on Wednesday before the tournament, he was talking about he, he's just going to mash it and he doesn't really care. Like he's going to aim for fairways, but he doesn't really care if it goes in the rough because the fairways and greens are so quick that he can get it out of the rough and have it run onto the green. And it kind of seemed like the reaction from the media, from the journalist was kind of like... <laughs> Okay, man. Good luck with that. And next, who do we got next on? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the fact is, is that these fairways were so narrow that the best players weren't going to hit that many of them. And so, if you're going to miss them anyways, you might as well blast it down there as far as you can and have pitching wedge instead of five iron or six iron in the fairway or first cut. Now, do you think that would have been any different had the greens been dialed up a little more? No, because look at today. I mean, I think t- today was the fastest they were going, the hardest pin locations. And I mean, he was three strokes clear of the next best person. And I think he led the field through the entire tournament in strokes and approach. 
So he I did mean, no, sorry, he was second, I, I believe. Webb or no, sorry. Um he made he led the field of people who made the cut Kucher Adam <laughs> per round. Okay, so technically <laughs> oh, no, but, but that's where that's where I think we're and that's the one I had been harping on, where his his approach, if this is suffering because of what he's doing in in trying to swing so hard. But I think with this rough swinging hard was the only way to approach the greens. And so I I think it's one of these things where his game's actually pretty well built for a course like this compared to the one, like his two best days were Friday and Sunday were the two times he, he led the field in scoring. And those were the days that played the hardest. I think on the easier days, other people were able to go out there and and shoot lower scores. I mean, I don't think there's any question that this, setup represents a major setup um it's similar to the kind of setups you get it's long it's got heavy rough it's got fast greens these are the kind of courses that they they play majors at and like craig said maybe this transformation is keyed around the majors because we saw it and we were questioning it everybody was um after the restart he had some success but he also didn't have success in a few spots um right but this is the first major well, I guess the PGA Championship as well, but um, this is the first kind of more traditional major setup, I would say. Right, and it obviously passed the test. It's it's just so funny, like how quickly we go from is he taking the right approach and like will he win a major to <laughs> wow? Is he like, ever going to lose another one? <laughs> yeah, or like how many is he like okay, check off the next U.S. Open, check off the next couple PG. Not saying that, but it's just it, now we start talking about how many because. Like off the bat, like you said on the podcast, Kevin, he dominated. Like not only was he six clear of Matthew Wolf, who had a, a struggle down Sunday, but I mean he's twelve clear of the guys in eighth. Like he he was on a like he just dominated this field. Well, and so yesterday in our recap show, we were talking about who outside of of Wolf and Bryson had a chance. Well, quite frankly, it would have taken a hell of a round from Wolf. Yeah, to hang with Bryson, um, and outside, like nobody had a chance. Nobody had a chance to catch Bryson today. There was very few seventies out there. Like, ve- like I can count on a single hand how many seventies, even par seventies, there were today. And he goes sixty-seven. There's not a single player at sixty-nine, not a single player at sixty-eight, and he's at sixty-seven. It's unbelievable. But I also think his the way that he's playing. Um, it sort of it sort of reminds me if you can remember this, when we used to play poker a lot and you'd get like, you'd start to get close to whether you were going to be in the money or not. Mm. And like some people would stop playing aggressively and they would get, they just wanted to like, Oh, last one more spot yeah. where this Sounds is like the me. mentality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the mentality where like, I'm not, I'm not playing to, to get into the, you know, to get a place I'm playing to win the tournament. And so when everyone else is, I'm going to try to win the pots when everyone else is, is out there trying to make sure they last one more, um, one more hand, one more turn. Well, and that's the thing we were talking about before. You mentioned on the podcast last night, Kevin, that he's a USGA winner. He won the amateur here. He's very decorated. I mean, he's he has what was it, seven PGA wins before this. He's won on the uh, European I think Tour. This I think was his seventh. I'm not. I'm not totally sure, but I think this was his seventh PGA win. Yeah. So I think he's already upgraded. Or uh, updated his Instagram, so you can probably check it out. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. But I mean, so two weeks ago, he was twenty fifth out of thirty people, and 
you know, a week before that, he was 50th out of 70. And a week before that, he missed the cut. So it's not like it's, you know, early, there was a string there where he was top 10-ing every tournament. But I, I to me, this just seems more like it's, it's going to be volatile. But yeah. when he goes out there and it, it's all clicking, then he's essentially trying to make his ceiling higher as opposed to making his his floor lower and i think that's what i mentioned to you when you picked him as a fade in our dfs show is i said he i think he's been very vocal that he's not doing this transformation to get more top 10s more top 20s like be a better player is to get wins and it's to get major victories to get his first major victory um and yeah he might miss i mean a third of the cuts or half the cuts in majors but maybe he gets six instead of three with his traditional approach or a few more i mean then it's all worth it i think i think any golfer would trade that yeah i think the one thing that i I do still struggle with a bit is that i mean i think bryson is here regardless of this whole transformation or not you know like maybe maybe it's not this u.s open but like i think i think bryson's winning a major like just he's that good of a player he's that driven um you know i don't think i guess what i'm saying is i don't think it's this technique this transformation this system uh i think it's bryson dechambeau winning his first major and um, this is the system he's he's utilizing yeah. um but ultimately i mean y- y- they kept harping on about how driven he is and how he was working there like this is just he's that type of person that is hyper focused on winning and and he's gonna find a way to do it yeah. at some point and this is just this is his first one yeah okay well do you guys think that wingfoot lived up to the hype this week you know we we're hoping for carnage do you think we got enough of it what do you think I mean, I think so. We had one player under par. That's we kind of expected the winning score to be even, maybe a couple strokes over par. You take Bryson out of it, and that's kind of where we're at. The rough was a little bit disappointing to me because we, I mean, heard so long about Wingfoot and the uh, remember '06, and you know, if you're in the rough, you're kind of you're scrambling, like you're scrambling to make par. But I mean, a bogey's not that bad. Uh, so it was a little bit disappointing, but I think that's just with the caliber of strength and the players that were in the field that we saw this score i think wingfoot held up its end of the bargain i think bryson and to a lesser extent wolf just kind of over just are a different beast so i'm going to disagree with you a little bit i think it's um i don't think it's totally clear whether wingfoot lived up to its end of the bargain or not um without bryson it was close i i think i would have like the scores to be a little higher. We've got them made the cutter twenty five, twenty four over. <laughs> like, well, and I, yeah, I think it. I think you can't you can't reverse engineer scores based on like when the wind was blowing. This course was absolutely brutal. So like you can't reverse engineer. Oh, we want the score to be plus five to win. Like if the wind was blowing, then the scores would have been higher. You know, like it. It needs to be. Um, there's nothing else they could have done. The greens, I think, were perfect speed. They're, they're, it's a super fun course to watch. I mean, we saw Sabatini today putt it, hopefully down a slope, but he left it 30 feet wide. I mean, it's a, that, was, that was actually, I should have put that in my favorite moments of the tournament. <laughs> um, I also, did you see the rest of that clip, like where he made that first putt and then he probably took about a half second for his next one and then another half second for his next one? Yeah. 
Um, and then I think Danny Lee six putted within four feet on 18 on Saturday. Uh, so it's it yeah. a difficult course. There's, I don't think there's anything you can do from a course management to hold, like catch the club in the rough any more than they tried. I guess. So what did you guys think of the ninth hole? I mean, that's, that's a scoring opportunity. Well, my, my thoughts on the ninth hole is that it's such a grind on every hole. And then you throw on this ninth hole and I, it just, it seemed too easy. I don't know what you do about it, but it just, it was playing downwind all week. It was a, you know, it was a par five, but the majority of the field, especially the bombers, they were going in there with short irons. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, ultimately it's call it a par five or a par five a par four a par five like ultimately that's the length of the hole you can call it an eagle or call it a birdie on a par four there's going to be the same spread um, yeah and I, I don't know it just seemed like kind of a shame that if you didn't it seemed like if you didn't take advantage of that hole you didn't have a chance like wolf and yeah. DeChambeau were both four under on that hole this week um part of the reason they were you know but, birdies weren't that easy to come by so well, um, but i also think that hole I mean, that's a perfect example to me of like, if you got in the right place on your second one, you might make an eagle. But there were people that I was watching and not on the broadcast, but just players I was following. And then they'd have shorter yardages in and then they'd make pars or bogeys. And I'm like, what the heck happened? Like, how did you make such a mess from 170 yards out or whatever? Uh, but it was just the greens themselves were so difficult in the area around it. When I was playing the showdown contest on DraftKings, like the single day showdowns, and you have your roster of six guys and they're going up, they're having a bad day, but they're going up to nine. You're like, okay, we can get it all back with an eagle, but I'll settle for a birdie. And then Peter's kind of throws it 50 yards into the rough, and then he acts up. Okay, yeah, it's also a bogey hole, all right? <laughs> Guess it's not going to happen here. So how much do you think the fan, the lack of fans played a role in this tournament this week? So I think that's a good one because, I mean, a, a good question. I, I think Bryson is the perfect type of polarizing figure that – the New York crowd would have been perfect for yeah. where some people are, you know, loving every minute of it. And others are, are heckling them because they want to see a reaction. They want to get under his skin. Um, but I, I, I don't know if he would, it would have been affected by it. Um, I don't think it would have been a, a six shot difference unless it like really rattled him at one point. I think he affected by it for sure i you know whether everybody would have been affected by it and it would have been a a level um distraction i guess for lack of a better word but for sure that energy of having the fans there would have changed the tournament yeah Um, i guess i just don't know like would he have been negatively like i think there's times where everyone would have loved some bomb he hit and so the you know people would have been going crazy so it's just a matter of um you know the net effect on him i think it makes a huge difference with harding park with the pga and now at wingfoot uh for the u.s open with no fans we're seeing we saw mark Howe win wolf was right there hovland's been around like usually the fans the atmosphere like standing over that six foot putt and then all of a sudden like your your knees are buckling a little bit that's like that's from that press that immense pressure coming down on you but if you have the Sunday of major feel like a Tuesday practice round, it's it's not like I think that's why we're seeing these young guys up here so often. 
Well, let's not forget this is Bryson's. This is Bryson's first major championship too, right? Like he's not a proven major winner or anything like that. This is, you know, he, that was an advantage for him. I also think it's just the best crop of youngsters we've had in a while. Like when Spieth and JT were out there competing in majors and Rory, you know, like I, I think who else has come along in the last few years that has been this good, this young. Right. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying they wouldn't be here anyways, but I do think it is benefiting them to, to do this without yeah. fans for the first time. It, it's different, but I, I'm not, yeah. And I guess that's where I'm saying, I don't think they would not be able to, you know, maybe they would thrive in that environment. Some people do. So, um, I guess I just don't mean it's necessarily negative. I, I, I kind of disagree. I think there's an equalizer there. If you look at the rest of the top 10 with Louis, uh, Xander, DJ, Finau, JT, Webb Simpson, Zach Johnson, like these guys are all major winners. Like they, well, yeah, those are the best players in the world. What's your point? <laughs> but they're always up there. And I think, I think there would have been a stroke or two that uh, maybe would have got in Bryson's set or three or four that got in Wolf's set. I mean, we saw a little bit of Wolf on the back nine. Like, he was getting in his own head. If he was having to deal with fans tripping him as well, like... Well, I, I don't know that Wolf was getting in his own head as much as he just... He got to a point where he had to press. And, and I think he was just so... He wanted it so badly that he knew yeah. these... If, it, if he was not... To getting a stroke here then he had no chance so it was more like right at that turning point where he knew he if he was going to make up three or four that it had to start he had happening. to get going yeah and the, the other and, thing with the fans is not only like when you're on the whole having to deal with the fans but then you hear a roar either ahead of you or behind you and then you start thinking about these other things like did they just make ego like am i two back now am i are we like there's a whole there's a lot of different aspects that go to it yeah, but I, I think you're all, to say it's necessarily negative. Like, think about Tiger in '97. Think about Spieth when he was 21 years old, winning major. Like, crowds love to get behind a young player who's playing well. So, I'm to not, say I'm it not would, saying it was is for sure going to be a negative effect, but it's changing the the um, aura of the golf tournament. You know, it's it is different, and I think it is beneficial. I think it is beneficial for people who haven't experienced it in a major to have majors like this um, as opposed to ones where there's distractions, there's noise coming from everywhere. And, and it just fills your mind with more. See, I, I guess, and, I guess that's where I disagree. I yeah. think it's, I think it's negative for certain, like if the crowds were there, it would be negative for certain types of personalities. And it's not necessarily just these guys who haven't experienced before. I think there's probably um, people who have been around that hate that and they hate having that pressure of the crowd but then there's other people it's just how you're wired you know and some people are wired and they thrive on it and honestly matthew wolf seems like the kind of guy that might he might take energy from the crowd yeah i I agree it's not necessarily negative but there's certainly an impact i think that we're not sure exactly how it would if it would we can we can agree on that on those grounds (laughs) yeah exactly i think so i mean bottom line is there's not fans so it's we probably talked about it enough yeah Um, (laughs) So uh, one of my notes here is is uh, top ten machines. We have DJ Finau, Webb Simpson, JT, Rory all sneak into the top ten of this tournament. It doesn't really seem like any of those yeah. guys. Rory maybe had an outside shot going into Sunday. Turns out he would have needed to shoot what a sixty four, uh, sixty three even. Yeah. Um, but all these guys just seem to make their way up to the top of the leaderboard and inside that that top ten. 
Yeah, it kind of feels like Webb's been doing that for the last few months. He just backdoors top tens every other tournament. You mean, or every, you mean the last decade? Last decade, yeah. I don't but know. I also think that might be, you know, if you think about the people, you know, the people who are consistent. Yeah, like you might have a, I'm trying to think, Cabrera Bayo go out there and, you know, he's out there for the first day and maybe the second day, but ultimately like, he's not the kind of guy that's going to get that done four straight days. So you have all these other guys, but then over the course of the days, the mistakes pile up for everyone else. And that's fact that these guys make less of them and, or whatever advantage they get, whether it's web, you know, just being a little bit tighter to every hole and, you know, or Fino just, well, I don't know how Fino got it done. Was he, was he good <laughs> off the tee this week? Or? He's a hell of a ball striker. He's on, he's on every green in regulation. No, like all those guys you mentioned, they're they're amazing bogey avoidance. They they don't compound errors. They can make 70, 72, 71 and just hang around and let the rest of the guys fall off. See, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there Why? because Rory is not very good at bogey avoidance and he definitely compounds errors. He just makes so many good shots to make up for. Okay, I'm looking at DJ who went 73, 70, 72, 70. Yeah, Rory went 67, 76, 68, 75. He's a little bit more all over Man, that, that uh, four putt he had on the first hole just broke my heart. <laughs> that, that was tough. That was Because like, at, at that point, it's like, well, that's, that's the tournament. Unless Wolf and, and DeChambeau really came back, which they didn't. Um, yeah, that was that was it. Um, you guys want to recap our picks a little bit? We already talked about my fade winning the tournament. Um, so we, I, the one thing before we get into the picks, one thing I do think we we need to address a bit more is, is Matthew Wolf Because, you know, he's come out here now. He's played. This is his second major start. He has been top five in both um he's 21 years old like that is absurdly young uh i I think we kind of group him in with with morikawa and wolf or sorry and hovland um but you know he's almost two years younger than these guys or Mm -hmm. you know it's just I, i i think sometimes because of how quirky his swing is we don't think of him as a young hotshot golfer at the level that he is and I, I think that's maybe a mistake based on what we we see from him at times i yeah. think that with with wolf he's wolf is somebody who can just get extremely hot and that's what happened on saturday he shot a 65 and just catapulted himself up the leaderboard um you know i think he's a fantastic golfer a little bit streaky um and that's going to he's going to have success with that for sure i think over time he's going to get more and more consistent as he gets more experience out there and matures but um yeah i think he's a fantastic player he's won at every level he's ready for this tour he's ready for majors it's well, just and that's the thing he was he was of this crew he was the best ncaa golfer of them and so um kev do you ever get a, a glimpse of matthew wolf and see like a little bit of craig like he kind of looks like a craig look like um no, head over to Grand, really. <laughs> head over to at and Craig and let him know. I think he does. He's got the same beard. I don't know. There's something sometimes he pops on TV. I'm like, oh, Craig, good for you, man. I just good wish I still had that nice 21 year old skin complexion. <laughs> Craig has some quirky moves in his swing sometimes, but they're not really that consistent. <laughs> I don't think I get that much club head speed. Nor does it generate that much power. So, yeah, I, um, really, 
honestly, I don't know what to what to make of these guys getting these top fives so early in their like top fives and majors so early in their careers, so early in their in their yeah like golfing careers at early twenties. It, it just isn't supposed to happen that way. I, I I don't know what to make of it yet. I don't know if it's because of this weird year, because there's no fans, if they're just that much better than kind of the last couple classes that came out. I, I don't know. I think it is. I think I think that's it. I think there's a very good group of golfers that came out, you know, within that last year or two, yeah. um, because they all kind of came out at different points. But I mean, this takes him up to 18th in the world rankings, and so it's you know, is he is he a top 20 guy? And I think he is. I think I think he's going to live up there. Is he a top yeah. 20 guy in the world? I think he is. I sh- I sh- do. I think he is for sure. I, I don't know if he is right now. No, he's just he's gone up to 18th. <laughs> he was 36 and and now he's 18 (laughs) yeah um i don't know if i would yeah okay i'm sure that like so start of start of 2020 he was 117 so i mean you know he's moved up 100 spots in the last nine months um i I don't know exactly how much i calculated but that it seems (laughs) volatile i don't know who's who's 1920 who's behind who's right behind him um matsuyama hideki and i don't feel good about that right now okay Matthew next. fitzpatrick <laughs> neither okay what about a little bit further down paul casey tiger what Woods, are you looking for here you're fishing, Justin you're rose. fishing. like i think yeah. he's better i think he's better than these players rose casey tiger i would i would take them over wolf and then sung jay sung jay my boy your boy <laughs> Okay, sorry. I, I just wanted to. I mean, I, I think he was the other real, real story of the tournament. And so, I, I just before we moved on from him, um, you know, I think there are going to be weeks like this where he he takes a fifty, you know, maybe he takes the fifty four hole lead into the, into Sunday and and closes it out. Obviously, it didn't happen this week, but. And I wouldn't call today a collapse or anything like that either. Like we were saying, I think he he fell behind Bryson, who was playing really well, and kind of pressed a little bit on the back because he knew yeah. he needed to make up some shots and it didn't work out for him. He had a double, I think, on 16 that, um, you know, that pretty much ended any hope. But it was it was a bit of a sloppy double. I don't I wouldn't really hold it against him. The other thing I was going to say, because I don't see it uh, later on on our uh, notes here, is Xander with another top five of the U.S. Open. You got to um, applaud that and respect that streak he's on in U.S. Opens. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a shame. I mean, he looked like, and again, this is if Bryson didn't end up running away with it, but he had four, I think four, five straight bogeys there on his back nine, which ultimately it didn't matter because he wasn't winning it. But yeah. for a while there, I thought he was going to be the one to charge. Yeah. Okay, let's get to the pick recap. Yeah, there was no collusion. I don't know. I think I picked Rom like our last podcast on Sunday and Craig just kind of threw him out there Wednesday night. So I don't know if he was just kind of, well, what do you want to hear my rationale? That's that's fine. There's no, there's no, who cares? He finished time for 23rd. It doesn't matter. You guys can collude all you want for, for top 25 picks. I was going to pick JT, but uh, John Rom, I felt like for the one and done, at least I felt like, there's never you're, he's never going to be going into a major in better form than he is right now, so might as well use him or DJ this week. Well, I wasn't really going to get right to the one and done, but let's talk about that. The one and done. I had DJ this week, who just slow and steady got himself up into a T six. I, I thought he was going to miss the cut. Netted for... him about what 
450,000 bucks. So yeah. um, that managed to increase my lead in the one and done. So you're at uh, just over 700,000 in first, second, myself, 130,000. So I got some ground to make up and Craig got 101 with his ROM pick. So the other thing I was going to say just real quick while we while we have DJ on on topic. So he also his best two scoring days were the same ones where DeChambeau um scored on Friday and Sunday, which were the hardest days. And so I don't know if so the other thing I, I looked up on on DeChambeau was that his approach out of the rough, he was I want to say he was third or fourth in in the field uh, in in proximity out of the rough, and number one was Dustin Johnson. So I don't know if it's a little bit these guys because they're getting further. I, I think that's the only explanation that makes sense. The other one who was up there was Baba, and so um, I think Dustin Johnson. That's exactly the type of course where uh, it's his chance to win a, a major, and and he just or didn't do, quite. Or do you think that the fact that they hit it so far is a is a result of their swing speed well, so that's a thing enables them yeah. to get it out of the rough so you know, whatever all- from 175 whatever they're taking is a higher lofted club than brendan todd and so it's going to be that much easier going through the rough and going to have that much um you know better chance of of ending up near i mean let's face it we're all golfers we're all uh, probably past their physical primes at this point. Yeah, I think that's correct. Think, th- th- think back a few years. Would you rather hack one out of the rough now or, for me, 10 years ago? I'll tell you what, I'd take 10 years ago for sure. And that's just because it's hard on your body. My you back know? hurts if after a half hour of gardening, let alone hacking it out of the rough. Exactly. <laughs> I've been on Great. the Bryson diet, so I feel like I'm just trying to get my club head speed a oh. bit higher. <laughs> You're, you're approaching your physical prime, you mean? You yeah. haven't hit it yet. My, my oh, physical okay. prime's changing. I'm more of a low post player now. For the one and done, uh, I don't know. Craig and I still got DJ in our pocket, though, so I can I can send him out there at the 18T at Pebble Beach and collect a collect some change there. I'm yeah. I was gonna save him for when he was gonna win a major. So you can take your T6. <laughs> yeah. I will take my T6 right to the bank. Thanks. We know he wins every year, and you did not get that win, so. So the one thing I do want to bring up from the picks as well is uh, Will Zalatoris, my sleeper, who was 300 to 1 going in, ended up with a, a tie for 6, top 10. Yeah, he, he, he's incredibly impressive. I didn't really think that Corn Fairy guys had much of a chance because, as you kind of said, they play easier courses than the PGA guys, and this is supposed to be even harder than your average PGA setup. So... I thought his green and regulations number might have been a little bit of a uh, asterisk because it's so high, but the courses are just kind of that much easier. But yeah, he's got talent. Well, hang on. Let's just move on to your good, bad, and ugly then, Craig. Okay. Well, yeah, I guess he features well on it. So <laughs> um, so for the good this week, uh, Will Zalatoris. So anyone who, I mean, not many people watch Thursdays, uh, watch golf on Thursdays. Uh, but he had a hole in one. First off, Patrick Reed had a hole in one, which no one really cared about or liked. But then this guy comes out, has a hole in one in the same one, and it was just perfect. It you know lands nicely, like a nice chip or a putt, and it like goes up and dies in the cup, just absolutely yeah. perfect. Um, and then moving on, that was on number seven, and so 
six holes later, moving on to the bad, Will Zalatoris, another par three, he hits an absolute dagger right at it. It it goes in, this one goes in a bit hotter, but it hits the pin absolutely square. And like, it looked like it hit the pin in like one of those ones where it like rattled back off the edge of the cup and then hit the pin again. And like how this thing did not drop, I don't know. But um, it's just, it blows my mind. I heard Faldo say on the broadcast, something like 67 million to one chance of getting two hole-in-ones on the same round. And yeah. to have that pit almost happen in the U.S. Open. And Faldo's statistics are pretty much always right, too. <laughs> I feel like I'm starting to not understand this segment, though. How is that bad? I feel like I don't it's understand. It's bad that it didn't go in. It's not it heated well. It's just, it was bad. Like, I I don't know. If, week in and if, week out, you name something bad. I'm like, man, that, that guy got a top five. Why is that bad? <laughs> Yeah, well, I like to I like to have fun with it. Yeah. Um, ugly though, this and this is you know when we're when we're talking about fans being in the crowd, I think this was the worst moment. Uh, Harris English on the first tee, you know, he's teen off the closest he's ever been to to uh, having a chance to win a major. Where was he in the um, second to last group or third to last? Third to last. Third to last. Um. He hits. He hits a draw. He overcooks a draw. It's a hole you have to hit a draw on, uh, and he, you know he ends up between there. I think it's between there and nine. But every single player there hit a draw and overcooked it pretty much. Yeah, everyone is around in the same same rough. But spotters didn't see. Like I don't think they had a very good idea where it landed at all. But anyways, he gets put on the clock. Three minutes to look for his ball. There, it looks like there's 20 or 30 people not social distancing there, getting their, you know, <laughs> scuffing their feet through the grass, trying to kick this ball up and find it. Um, ultimately, they don't. Uh, so he has to go back and off the first tee, he's now hitting three, makes that a nice brutal. double bogey, saved his saved his double bogey out of the sand. Um, I just don't understand that. So we probably have 20 volunteers on that hole. We have shot tracker people that are specifically looking for it and to place kind of their placement of where it went. We have what, maybe three, four, five TV cameras. Like, I know I understand it just dies in the rough, but how do we not at least get like, I, I don't understand how it happens. I just really don't understand how that can happen. And in this day and age in the rough, like it's not like it's a lost ball. Like it went into the schmag somewhere. And, yeah. Like, well, and that's one is, thing if it's, you know, if it's a deep fescue where it's, you know, on a side of a cliff and I, I get that. Um, but this is between two holes in like the maintained rough. Um, it just, it seems, it seems like the, if they're not going to have a way of finding that balls and the rules need to allow for, you know, whether it's have a look at the fricking replay to see a five yard area of where this thing landed and then find the ball, you know, like this ball is not lost. It's there. It's in the field of play still. Yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe it is that um, it's not out of the, the maintained part of the course. I like that. Let's throw the challenge flag, get Trico under the hood or something. Be like, okay, I've spotted it's three feet of, off that tree. And then, okay, we get an extra three minutes to look. Yeah, so that's the ugly. <laughs> One thing I do like about that, though, um, Bubba, Bubba Watson, who yeah. apparently is a, also a Georgia Bulldog, he was playing the ninth. And so him and his caddy were helping Harris English <laughs> look, too, which I don't know. I just love that kind of stuff. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's cool. It It is a shame, though, because just much like – 
Rory a double bogey for English at that point, that was pretty much it. You know, yeah. like it was over before it started. And it, I mean, yeah, he does, he shouldn't hit it in the rough, but it's not his fault that double, yeah. you know, like that, just a brutal break. And like, talk about gutted. Like, you know, you've been thinking about this moment for the last 24 hours. Like, all you've been thinking about is like, man, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do, and you know, and life. then like, you, this is, you play your whole life to get in this yeah. position. But then like, you know, sleeping on, like, knowing that you're contending in a major and you go out there, you're like, okay, first tee. And then it's just like instantly you're hit sideways by a train. Like, it just, and I think like they, I think I forget who it was in the broadcast said, like, basically, I think everyone who, is cheering for him at that point like you yeah. know this guy got screwed so you're just yeah. you want him to get some good breaks yeah if you weren't if you weren't before you are now yeah okay let's move on adam's three stars who do you got adam all right so i'm doing doing an all u.s open three stars here my third star is will zalatoris he's making his second ever major start he was craig's boy uh kind of leading up to the tournament he's a corn fairy guy in the 2018 U.S. Open, he had a missed cut. So this is his first major start since then. Craig was highlighting his uh, green regulations. I think it was over 80% on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. Really talented guy. I didn't really buy in. I mean, like I said earlier, they're playing on easier courses. I don't know if it translates to wing foot. But he went out and he played really well. According to the U.S. Open uh, stats here on their website, he was first uh, through all rounds in and strokes gain approach gaining 7.97 strokes which i think that helps when you are knocking in holes in one and almost hole in one i think that, i think yeah. that helps generally your approach yeah i think that bumps the stat up a little bit but hey i mean his game translated he got a top 10 i believe he, he played really well he's obviously the talent's going to translate to the pga tour into majors for years to come as i was watching the leaderboard today and, and the last couple days really you just saw guys continue to fall down the leaderboard and Wells Zalatoris just sort of stayed where he was. It yeah. just kept trucking away there. He was around, I think he was around plus four for a lot of the tournament. I don't know where he ended up, but um, played really, really well. He impressed me for sure. I forget who I said, I heard say this, but some I heard someone say basically he's the rookie of the year whenever he makes it onto the tour. Like, it, it, you know, he's that kind of talent where uh, it's just a shame he's not there now. I, I, I was actually looking to see what kind of exemptions this get him gets him but i couldn't i couldn't find anything specifically my second star is matthew wolf who fell apart a little bit today i think that's controversial to say maybe he, he i guess he played still average or a little bit above average um it was it was really difficult out there today on sunday so if if our if our scale for falling apart is san diego or sorry los angeles <laughs> chargers or matthew <laughs> wolf where, I mean, in terms of franchise history, San Diego Chargers is there, but not today, man. Come on, they keep home <laughs> overtime. I know that was a tough one. Though. A rookie quarterback taking the Super Bowl champs to overtime. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Wolf. This is his second major um, T four earlier PGA at Harding Park, and then uh, second. He's twenty one. He's born in nineteen ninety nine. I mean, talking about Zalatoris as a third star, Zalatoris is 24. Like, I think sometimes we just forget how young he is. And uh, kind of like Bryson, you get wrapped up in like the swing or the quirkiness, or maybe it's just off a tee, or maybe they're just bombers. But he clearly has game. He's my second star. We're going to see him in tons of majors. I think he's going to be a major winner. I mean, obviously his game translates to these major championships. It's just uh if it's going to come in a couple years or if he's going to strike early 
yeah, he's definitely going to get one at some point here, and I, I don't think it'll be too, too long. I'm interested to see how some of these guys play Augusta that haven't been there before um, because it's it's a different kind of course. Um, I'm just excited. Maybe it's just been too long since we've gone to Augusta. I'm, I'm jacked for it already. Hey, our next two majors are both at Augusta. Oh, yeah. not too often you get to say <laughs> that, eh? Um, one thing I did hear about Augusta, which is funny compared to U.S. Open, is a lot of these guys – I mean, they're obviously huge golf fans as they're growing up as juniors, right? So they've seen Augusta so many times. They've only seen Wingfoot. They've never been there. They've never been there. Yeah, it's, it's completely different. But they, they like, okay, I know 12. I know 13. I, I got an idea here. Well, they come to Wingfoot, which they see once every decade or two. They, they don't know how crazy the fall off is on 18 until they play a practice round there. My first star... Kind of boring, but I you got to give it up to him. Bryson DeChambeau, the experiment has clearly worked. He has elevated his game to a new level where he can push the field in these majors and really make a charge, I think, in these major championships. Off the tee gets all the notice, and I think that's justified a little bit, but I think it we have to, I mean, say how good he is around the greens and on the greens, this tournament and kind of historically, he's, he's a very talented golfer. These are from us open uh, website, but I believe he was second in the tournament in strokes gained around the green, gaining 5.42 and 18th in strokes, strokes gained putting. Um, and he's, I, I think I sent a tweet earlier. He's been a top 50 putter for the last three years. It, people think it's weird. I like how the broadcasters or how Bryson described it. He's just locked in. It doesn't look stiff. He's locked in. He's my first star. Yeah, you can't really argue with that. He was definitely the first star of the week out there. Yeah, yeah, and I think the big thing um, about it is that it was not just his ball striking. Like his his around the green numbers. He, you know, he was what what I think you said second on here. He was third in scrambling on the on the for the tournament. Um, like. Too often, I heard it a lot when Bryson won the Rocket Mortgage that everyone was talking about his ball striking, but he was number one in putting that tournament. Like, this guy is a complete golfer. Yeah. So, for my golf insight of the week, uh, I often also try to look look to other tours to find something, but the U.S. Open was kind of the ticket this week. Yeah. Um, so, the one thing I wanted to bring up was Danny Lee's six putt on 18 <laughs> on Saturday. So... What did he do? He missed his first putt, he missed his second putt, and then he went all straight John Daly on it and just started to whack it around the hole. Was he just like stick handling? I haven't actually seen this. Yeah, well, he wasn't stick I handling. Think it came but he, I don't know. It's kind of blurry the video I saw. It was, it was, he was quick putting them all. He was kind of getting one foot over it. Like, you know, like if you run one four feet by on a, on a birdie or par attempt, and then you just kind of, oh, that's good, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> take that one um he was kind of doing that but the the one he bashed it at the hole and it just kind of hopped up and rolled to about seven feet away and then he he quick putted that one and stick handled it in from there anyways after that display he he withdrew now it was a wrist injury i wouldn't be shocked if he punched a wall or something oh, <laughs> Who knows what happened? five seconds after his sixth or seventh putt when he he lashed his putter against his bag there on the ground. I did not see that. It was part. a full like tomahawk, two-handed chop with his putter, where he just went bang, bang against his bag. Maybe it was a wrist injury. Might have been so. So the aggression. Who knows if it carried on or not? But my my point of this whole thing is, if you're going to do something like that, 
to withdraw is just such a coward's way out. If he's hurt, he's hurt, and I I will not disparage him. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if he hurt himself in anger afterwards. But if you're not really hurt, to just withdraw because you think you embarrassed yourself or whatever, you're so frustrated, it's just weak. You know, go back out there and, and finish the tournament the next day. He's already done for the day. So again, if he's if he's really hurt, fair enough. If not, it it is hard to really um, have a lot of respect for that move. So uh, Dan- Danny Lee's always been a guy I've been a little bit indifferent about, but I liked him. I, I yeah. liked it when he did well. Um, but, you know, I he, he has some work to do to build up his reputation again in my books. Let's see how that wrist is in the next uh, tournament he plays. Now, the thing I, I'm wondering, does he... Like obviously, for making the cut, you, you're getting a check. Does he still get a a check or? I don't know that you do. I don't know. Man, I would have slashed my way around the course. I don't know, I don't know what <laughs> last place gets, but it's enough for me to go out and do it again. <laughs> for the day, hold two. Uh, Craig, you're on the clock here, buddy. <laughs> you gotta pick up. <laughs> well, no, I, I think at the tour championship because there, you know, the there's the minimum whatever you get but you still have to apparently tee off like if you were actually injured but if you go and you, you tee off at the tour championship you know what yeah, i can actually withdraw uh, like a ceremonial you, tee off <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> all right let's move on to stock up and stock down craig who do you have moving up this week well i have already brought him up uh but matthew wolf um i just uh, what I what I like about him is that he was going out to win this tournament, um, and I think that's why you saw some, uh, you know, you saw it boil over around what, maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen ish on the course because he and I also think that's in part he shot seventy five today. I think part of that was he wasn't, you know, a lot of these guys once they know they're not going to win or they're three or four back. They're like, okay, like every stroke here costs me money. Um, I need to just think about how I'm getting into the clubhouse. He was, he was trying to win it for as long as he possibly thought there was a chance. And if that meant that he was going to make a bogey along the way, that's fine. He's going to try to try to win the tournament. Um, I think that's going to serve him well. Uh, I think he's one of these guys that in the future, um, you know, whether whether it's a major win or what, whatever, I think he's going to be someone we think of as like the big game hunter type, where he's he's not going to back down. He's going to go out there and he's gonna he's gonna chase. If you're out front, he's going to try to run away from you if he's out front. Um, so yeah, stock stock up on Matthew yeah, Wolf. Yeah, have to agree. Um, stock down, Daniel Berger, and this was you know it, it just was a little bit uninspiring. I, uh, I was making the argument uh, a few weeks ago on, on the podcast that uh, not having him in the masters is a shame because uh, you know, he's playing the best at that point, he was playing the best golf of anyone since the restart. And you don't want to have that person missing from telling the story of, of a major championship. Right. Uh, but it was just uninspiring. Like it, it uh, you know, there was, there was no, there was no real point where he just, I don't think, blew up. It was more just he he was, you know, he fell back every day and uh, he was just never really a, a threat or, or made any noise. And mm-hmm. um, 
he's one of these guys that I think is on the, you know, he's somewhere around just outside the top 10, maybe in the world rankings. He's one of these guys that you wonder if he can move up and, and be one of the big dogs. And it's, I mean, I, I, you know, it's not like Rom went out there in top 10 or anything, but, but Daniel Berger is still making a name for himself. And he, he didn't really do that this week. Yeah, he was one of the guys I was pretty high on going into the week, actually. He was, I think his odds were somewhere in the 30 to 1 range, 35 to 1. And I thought that represented some value given how he'd been playing. Um, And like you say, I just kind of watched him fall down the leaderboard day after day after day. And um, I was kind of hoping at some point he'd he'd plant a foot in the sand and start fighting back. Um, Well, and he did on Friday. He did. He got it. Uh, he he, got it he to was minus two, one. three under on the day, or yeah, four under on the day to, to come back day. to minus one in the tournament. But then he gave them all right back, and yeah, he did, and and finished I think at even on the day. Yeah. Okay, Adam, who do you have moving up this week? Yeah, so Victor Hovland, who came out and finished T thirteen. Um, we didn't really see much of him on the weekend. I think Craig, you sent a message to us, maybe both Saturday and Sunday. You're like, where's Hovland? Like, I want to see my boy Hovland. Well, just, and it blew me away because, you know, he's, he's at, he was at plus two for the longest time. Yeah. And everyone has fallen back behind him. All of a sudden, he, I think he was in like fourth place at one point, maybe fifth. Yeah. But it was just like, you haven't even introduced us to him on the broadcast. And this guy, I mean, in- I think we can, we can all agree that there was aspects of the broadcast that left us wanting more yeah that's for sure that's a whole nother topic for sure that's an understatement but yeah, yeah. but hovland's going up uh, i just feel like he's been a little bit overshadowed by all these other young guys morikawa won the pga wolf was right here in the u.s open uh scotty scheffler took rookie of the year um, when hovland was kind of the uh 1b i guess in that race uh he's just he's another guy with so much game he's only 23 years old uh he was right there for most of the tournament i mean at any time he could have made a couple birdies and people could have fall back and he was right in the mix or won the last final groups on saturday and sunday uh so i just i think he got a little bit overlooked um for a little while now and i think he's just going to be he's a competitor he's extremely talented he's going to be continuing to rise so he's my stock up Uh, i think he's just going to be a winner on this tour his finish also it wasn't really indicative of how well he played he did i think double or triple 18 today so he would have been up in the top i think 10, he actually went bogey double double yes yeah so he yeah. he was he ended up tied for 13th but he i mean it was just a, a bit of a limp home at the end so i did have in my notes that he played 69 very strong holes and then <laughs> the last three not so much yeah just on on victor real quick um th- i think another positive takeaway uh I think the story with Victor Hovland is that his ball striking, everyone agrees he's a world-class ball striker and it's his short game yeah. that, that, you know, he needs to make sure that's not going to be a weakness that, that holds him back too much. Um, but he was positive in all categories this week. So, uh, you know, for the growth of him as a player, that's the type of thing you want to see. And, and um, I think that's almost just because he's, he's open and honest about it, that he struggles with his short game and that he's getting help on it. While other people will just kind of brush it off and not admit that they have holes in their games. Is it, was it him that said, uh, I forget from where it was, but he's just like, I am just the worst chipper in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think that got caught up in a mic at one point. And yeah, that's the thing with him this week is there's going to be long rough. You weren't going to hit a lot of greens in regulation. You had to go up and down to save par. And I was like, I don't know if Hovland, if that game is like, if his game is necessarily suited for that course. And he proved me wrong. 
Okay, so who do you have moving down then, Adam? Yeah, moving down, this was a little bit hard. Um, I was thinking uh, Terrell Hatton for a little bit because he was really disappointing uh, when he missed the cut and that one stung deep. But I'm going with someone that was right there for a long time, and that's Hideki Matsuyama. And then I actually have in my notes, moving down is Hideki Matsuyama in majors. He's just, he's really talented. We've talked about him on the podcast before as one of the best ball strikers for a while. His putting is hot and cold and hot and cold, and you don't know what you're going to get from him. Um, and he's been a fantastic cut maker at, uh, at majors, but he hasn't top 10 in a major since the 2017 PGA. I just feel like everyone expects, like he's starting to kind of get on that pretty high on that list of guys, like, the best golfers that haven't won a major, the currently the best crop of guys that haven't got one, but should get one soon. And they always talk about the immense pressure from his country, from Japan. Like he needs to win it for the country of Japan. And I don't know. I just, it's stocked down. I kind of feel bad about it. I I really like the guy. It just, he hasn't got and closed that top 10 in a major in, in quite some time when with the talent that he has. I just completely disagree. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I agree that it, I, it's just a shame. I think like I, yeah. I just pull so hard for Hideki uh, and, you know, he was plus eight today. He, he should have been in the conversation and, and just, just f- did, had, a, had a really rough day. Um, Another guy who right off the bat was pretty much played himself out of it. I think he was double on one as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. he was on my showdown uh, roster for Sunday for today at the U.S. Open, and I was watching him because he got dropped from coverage pretty quickly. But it was just like left off the tee, left off the tee, left off the tee, chip out. And I was like, oh, Hideki, like you are just falling out of this so quickly. I'm a little curious though how much because you know they they did bring it up on broadcast. Like he literally has his own media follows him around yeah like there's all of the all of the nbc and golf channel media covering everyone in the tournament and there's literally like japanese media that always follows everything hideki does and that would be a different kind of pressure you know um you know that you have you know, millions of people who are watching every move that you make and they just so badly want the, the first Japanese major winner. Um, well, it's, it's such a popular sport over there. Like, do you remember when Ichiro came into the big leagues? Yeah, (laughs) it was the same thing. That was awesome. It was a media circus. All right, guys. So my stock up, stock down this week, moving up, I have Harris English. Um, maybe I'm late on this, I I have watched Harris over the last month, two months, kind of just steadily play solid golf. Um, but I don't think I really took him as a serious contender in big tournaments. And uh, he proved me wrong this week. He just played solid. I, I thought he showed a lot of character today with yeah, how he handled the whole situation with the losing, the lost ball on one. That That's just a brutal break. He ended up pretty much playing plus one for the day um and that he three jacked 18 mm. to make a sloppy bogey there too um you know it, he he wasn't far away from shooting a really really solid round today and uh yeah anyway he he delivered on the on the big stage he didn't he didn't pull it off but nobody was catching pricing this week so you can't really fault him for that um but yeah harris is is my stock up on the week my stock down was originally gonna be patrick reed Oh. Um, just because I I really wanted to uh, 
slammed you wanted to pile on. <laughs> but let I mean the guy he, you know he he fell apart on the weekend a little bit he would he finished tie 13 um after holding the lead after 36 holes uh, he definitely didn't deliver but he did you know play pretty well for half the tournament so I can't I can't be too hard on him I think my stock down this week is going to have to be Tommy Fleetwood Tommy's a guy yeah. that everybody kind of just assumes is a, a you know, a big game hunter, like you say, Adam, um, that he's one of these guys that, that should be sniffing around these majors and, and he's backdoored high at a couple of them, but I mean, he shot 74, 74 on Thursday, Friday. He's a guy I had picked in some pools. Um, and he just, it was very disappointing. It it didn't inspire anything. Um, if he is going to be one of these guys that's going to be talked about as best never to win a major or, you know, that, that should contend in these majors, he's got to start doing it. And it just didn't, like I say, it was an uninspiring performance this week. Adam was high on him. I know after coming off the, the win in Portugal. Well, no, 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 um, no. He was, he was top three in Portugal. He was my stock up uh, last podcast and, yeah, it, it's done. And me. I was like, buying into that stock, moving I up, know, and, and it me. fit me. And I, 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 I bought at the I, top. I have half, I've, <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think so. I'm just looking at the scorecard here because I, I didn't have him anywhere, so I wasn't following him that closely. But uh, he had seven birdies in two days, um, so it it wasn't a factor of like not making scores so much as I mean, he just had an absurd amount of bogeys and, and a few double, you know a couple doubles. Typically speaking, major champions don't make, they're not that volatile. Yeah. You know, it's it, like the Phil, the thrill, Phil beca- began winning majors when he realized he had to limit his mistakes and play a little bit smarter. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the kind of guys who win majors don't make a lot of big mistakes. Um, they can make a lot of birdies, but yeah. it's limiting the mistakes that really is the difference. I think. But, I, but I think sometimes with the top players, um, when they're not on form, which you know, I, I think in in Fleetwood's cases is, is a little bit how, how you know what we're looking at. They're still able to make birdies because they, you know they know that there's that control, but then they don't have it all the time. So isn't they're short sighted themselves, or they're, they're just there's this confidence level in themselves that is not actually you know the the goods aren't matching up to it. And well, look at Spieth. Yeah. Case in point, right? I'd rather not right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I was just going to say, like, on Fleetwood, it's just really frustrating because I think we mentioned last podcast, he shot 68 uh, a couple US Opens ago, tied the record for lowest US Open round. 63. Yeah, sorry, 63. I was thinking 63. I don't know why I said that. Um, But yeah, he just doesn't, I don't know if he can put it together for four days. He's really frustrating with that because it's there. But it just doesn't. We were talking about the top of the leaderboard and those guys that just snuck the webs, the females. They just constantly play at that level to sneak into those top tens, and it feels like he's either right up there or not there at all. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. he just needs to start. If he's going to be there, he needs to be there. He yeah. needs to start delivering when it counts. Yeah. Now, just one last thing, because I think we're almost ready to move on. Um, we haven't mentioned Oosthuizen at all. We have the name Louis. has not even come up. Yeah, um, that's no mission. It's a bit of a, a disrespect to the guy that got third. And you know what? He's the guy I was calling last night as the outside of 
DeChambeau and, and Wolf that I thought had a chance. I put my money where my mouth was and, and made a wager last night. And luckily it was an each way. So <laughs> gave, gave, me, gave me a small return. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a grinder. It didn't really go his way today, unfortunately. Again, nobody was going to catch DeChambeau. So it didn't really matter. Um, yeah, another another close goal for Usaisen. But he also, like, you know, we were texting earlier, or I, it might have been on the phone um, yesterday, we were chatting, and I was blown away that he's only 37 years old. Um, it seems well, like... I, I, I heard a stat on the broadcast that said it was something like his his 10th start or his 17th start or something when he won the Open Championship. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought he was in his, you know, early, early mid 40s, something like that. He just seems like such a savvy vet. He does. He's an easy guy to cheer for. I actually had, in terms of our DFS uh, drafting lineup, I had him and Bryson paired together. So you're thinking, wow, one in three. This must be a good lineup. Listen to the rest of it. Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, Stenson. (laughs) (laughs) That will play yourself out of it real quick. All right, guys. Do we have anything else on the U.S. Open that we need to talk about? No, it was, uh, I think it was a really dominating win. Uh, good on Bryson, good on Wingfoot. Uh, it was an entertaining. I mean, tournament. I guess, I guess, I think we're going to address next week's uh, tournament. But I guess the one thing, any, th- any takeaways in terms of uh, November Masters from, from the US Open? Yeah, I'll give you my sleeper right now if you want. Well, is he still going to be a sleeper then? <laughs> I, I think, what is it? Well, Lee Westwood. Oh, he's God. a top five machine at Augusta. <laughs> are you? Is your sleepers guys who are going to finish in the top five or win? Because I've been swinging for the fences. You guys seem to be just going for a high finish. Sorry, is Thomas this Peters isn't a one safe and, This play? isn't one and done. Oh my God. Um, the one thing I was going to say, and and not so much looking at at particular people, but the the I think the weather factored into it in a way that we're not used to when we have a June U.S. The Open daylight. And so. Then. The daylight, but yep. then also like cold mornings. Like I think that uh, going out first thing, and I don't know in in Augusta how chilly it's going to be, but um, you know how I mean, you guys have played borderline cold conditions. Like it's not super fun hitting a golf ball sometimes. Um, it, hitting the ground, hitting, hitting into greens when they're they're super. Especially hard. when you're hitting it off the halls. <laughs> yeah, or or I'm thinking of like a thin floor iron. Oh, that's not a fun. <laughs> it's not a fun feeling. I'll give you one um, take for uh, November Masters in the weather. I think the fix is in, and I was telling Craig this, that Tiger's going to get an a.m. Thursday tea time and a p.m. Friday tea time to let his body rest. That's th- Listen, that's the tea times he gets all the time anyways because they want him in the primetime slot on Friday when people are ditching work early. Hey, no, it's so he back, better get man. those. The fix is in. No, they, hope, they want him I on the Friday the broadcast to get everyone hyped up about the weekend. Just saying. All right. Well, I think my takeaway from this going into the Masters is, I mean, Bryson's probably going to win them all this year. It's, what do you call it when he wins? <laughs> Just like DJ's Six, never going to lose. Oh, my God. Says the guy no, who faded him. Give me a I did, did want to talk a little bit about the recency effect. You know, right now it feels like Bryson's never going to lose again. We were saying that about DJ for the last, yeah. you know, three weeks. It, these guys, you know, maybe Kepka's back then and he makes noise. We always forget about the guys who, you know, just didn't quite pull it all together. 
Bryson will have challengers. This is sure. this is why I was saying to Adam, like I think one of the best things you can do in golf is, especially in you know DraftKings type um, lineups where where actually what other people are choosing matters. Everyone gets so hyped on whoever's doing well, but sometimes you want to look at the guys who are like their statistical baseline, like a DeChambeau this week or a Justin Thomas or a Rory McIlroy, like, you know, they're really good, but not, they're not top of mind for being really good right now. So, um, you know, when everyone's zigging, you want to zag. And I think that's a, this is a perfect example. So I I completely agree with you, Craig. And I think you got a series of like awesome long form articles coming out here about this subject. (laughs) But the other thing that you brought up to me, which I really liked is you said, the actual moving day to win a major is on Friday. And I heard that on the broadcast a couple of times. And I was like, these guys tapped into your uh, hard drive somehow. They know the they must be looking this, the analysis <laughs> I'm doing. So if you're looking at yeah. that, uh, guys. Well, and that are- that's a perfect example of trying to, you know, it's like in the poker tournament. When other, other people are trying to get into the money, you're thinking about winning the tournament. Everyone's trying to make the cut. You're like, no, I'm going low. So here's two plays for you. Jordan Spieth was plus 14. On two days, and Sergio Garcia was plus fifteen. I think there are two guys that have played well before at Augusta. <laughs> are those your picks? Uh, I think Adam's got his sleepers. Are you going to one and done those guys? <laughs> You're going to zig what everybody else is zagging. I w- hey, I might go with Spieth. Sergio's burning. Oh, I, too. I was going to say Sergio. I would put my money on Sergio before Spieth. Do you want to? Do you want to bet right now, Sergio you, over Spieth at the, the Masters? Yeah. I'll take yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll figure yeah, out stakes. We'll figure out stakes. Do do they need to play all four rounds for this to be valid? <laughs> no. Wait, if, we but know if, it's going to be a two day match. <laughs> <laughs> if one of them makes the cut and then finishes behind the other, is that what's what's the scenario? Name your okay, terms okay, and come okay. back to me. Okay. Let's move on because everybody wants to know about the Corrales Putacana Resort and Club Championship coming up next weekend at the Corrales Golf Club in Putacana. Yeah. Um, hot takes on this. It, it started as a Corn Ferry Tour event, then was an opposite field event. Now it is fully a FedEx Cup full rewards event. Boom. So, I didn't know when you were saying this if this is just like some club championship that you were talking about. Oh, this is a PGA <laughs> Tour event. Oh, okay. That's everybody coming off of this weekend is super psyched to just get down there to the Dominican. I'm sure it's going to be a strong field. Uh, I haven't looked at it yet to verify that, but uh, I'm sure everybody's going to want some sun after the chilly yeah. New York mornings. Or everybody's going to go home and take a week off. So <laughs> what do you guys think? I think it's a good, uh, good week to lean on the model we have on our website. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think that uh, these, in terms of DraftKings lineups, these are the type of of weeks that I love because no one knows anything. So you look at stat, you know, you don't know these people, you know nothing about them. So you look at like what do they do statistically, and then you you build lineups based around that. But the one thing I want to highlight um, from the Safeway Open, uh, my the person I had chosen as a sleeper, Akshay Batia. Uh, because he top 10 there, yeah, right. he gets uh, into this uh, tournament. And, you know, he's one of these guys that currently doesn't have a PGA Tour card. So yeah. it, he could put together a, a string of, uh, this is an 18-year-old kid, so he puts together a string of finishes here. He could uh, play his way right onto the tour. I think I also saw Graham's name uh, on the field. We got and, your boy Zalatoris in this one too. So Is he? Don't I wonder if that's top 10 this week. <laughs> Don't know. I don't wouldn't know. be surprised if he backed out after the. I don't know. 
we'll see. I was just going to say with Grant Bellet, he has medical ex- uh, exemptions. And I think as Canadians, we want to see him get back and get his tour card and play well. On that note, uh, Taylor Pendrith, uh, T23 this week from the Corn Ferry Tour as well, which uh, we hadn't mentioned. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, as, as you guys know, I don't know how often I've said this on the pod, but I'm, I tend to go with my picks based on my gut might have, have to be visiting the model this week. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just scrolling through the list here. I'm not getting a lot of, a lot of gut recognition. Feelings, so. <laughs> not a lot of name recognition. Here, so. calling to you. Probably going to be, probably going to be, uh, you know, looking at that model on grandstandgolf.com. <laughs> you guys got anything else you want to talk about this week? Uh, I was going to say that I uh, have to balance my sport watching with golf and football. And uh, I got my wife got the Emmys on tonight and Shit's Creek was basically winning every single Emmy out there for best TV comedy, a little Canadian TV gem. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. It is sweeping at the Emmys right now. It surprises me because it's so like it's such a little dinky Canadian show that I I think of it as and it like it I did not expect it's it to get this kind man. of like, platform. It, it just makes you feel good. It's funny. Like it takes. I would say it. You need a season to get into it and like have the characters grow with you. But the oh last- no, I love it. I'm just surprised. I think maybe it's because it's on Netflix. But it's like the type of show that you know. I feel like we get a lot of these type of shows in Canada that don't get any traction beyond there. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, just good Canadian, great Canadian content. Yeah, that's what we try to deliver to, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us for this week. So, um, as always, check out our content at GrandstandGolf.com. Um, Adam, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Bapti. And Craig, how about you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, at Grandstand Craig. And I am also on Twitter at Grandstand Kevin, though not very much. So maybe follow these other guys too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for listening. Please uh, rate and subscribe to our show anywhere you listen to your podcast. And we look forward to talking to you more about golf in the future. Take care, everyone. See you guys. Thanks a lot.